This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 8 For the Queen. Lou and I ran through the moonlit wheat fields until we reached the edge of the forest. Yes, I brought her along. Go ahead and call me a jerk for dragging my sister into it. But I'd rather be a jerk than a dead person for not bringing someone to watch my back. Besides, Lou was exceptional at being a snoop. So she was a natural fit. 
She was also an official pixie knot like the rest of us, and with that comes responsibility. She didn't seem to mind. The only thing that bugged her was the fact that I didn't stop for her to leave a pickle for her invisible fairy friend Pickles. She whined about it all the way to the ugly oak where we waited for Jack. Minutes ticked by as we glanced out over the fields and listened to the chirps of crickets and the occasional rattle of a cowbell. Where was he? Jack was rarely late. If anything, he'd always been far too early for everything. It had almost been ten minutes already. What was holding him up? Wait a sec, I thought. He's not still mad about me spending time with Oliver instead of him, is he? Maybe he's trying to prove a point and show me how it feels to be left hanging. Oh, of course. That little rat. I humphed and looked back at Lou, who was taking loud, nervous bites out of her imaginary friend's pickle. Guess he's not coming, I said. Coward. I want you to stay close, but not too close, okay? Lou nodded. If anything happens, do exactly what we discussed. You've said this twenty times already, Lou groaned. I got it. Just making sure. We followed the creek as Theo had suggested, through the big oak trees and deeper into the forest. As we walked, I thought about Leo's directions. Follow the waterways until you smell rotting flesh, he'd said. What does that even mean? I don't know what rotting flesh smells like. I panicked a little once I realized my nose was getting stuffed up from the cold. Great. Pretty soon I'd be a sniffling mess and have no sense of smell at all. We picked up the pace. The creek rounded a corner and then narrowed, cutting through dead, twisted, intertwining trees up ahead. They bundled together like the nests of some giant bird. Those looked worth exploring. Using my flashlight, I spotted the bulging rocks in the creek and hopped across. Lou followed, but kept her distance as instructed. As I reached the other side of the creek, the most foul, rotten, stinky smell hit me like a dumpster breeze and made me gag. Ugh. Either B.O. Bo from class was out here camping, or I'd found it. Carefully, I flipped off my flashlight and crept towards the largest of the dead trees. The rank smell was growing stronger with every step, and I could feel a lump forming in my throat. I'd never been so scared. There was no way Lou was sufficient backup for a mission like this. What was she going to do, scare them off with her snarky comments? Why couldn't Jack just have sucked it up and come? Yeah, he was consistently a wimp when it came to this kind of stuff, but if he were here right now, he would have walked in front if I asked him to. I tripped over a root and hit the ground hard, scraping my elbow. Loud whispers came from the trees. My heart raced. I didn't dare look towards the sound. I didn't need to turn around to know that those red, glaring eyes were watching me. Suddenly, the dead trees around me creaked and cracked as they bent and snapped together, enclosing me in a cage of branches. No! I yelled, running for the last opening. But before I could reach it, the limbs twisted together and blocked my escape. I almost cried out for Lou, but stopped myself. 
I didn't want them to know she was there. Hopefully she was already running back for help. An orange light flickered behind me. I slowly turned to see a flame dancing in the middle of the cage of branches. All around it were dozens of little creatures, twice the size of fairies, but still small. The flicker of the flame illuminated their toad-skinned bodies that were covered with boils that grew and deflated with every breath. Their eyes were big and black, their mouths were narrow and fanged, and a pair of fuzzy bat wings grew out of the back of their bald heads. In their long, webbed hands were weapons made of sticks, thorn bush, and sharpened rock. I gasped as the largest one walked through the fire and approached me. He held two sharpened sticks that were wrapped in thorns. Long yellow spikes grew out of his head, forming some sort of crown. His toad eyes blinked and looked me up and down. Winnie, he said in a high, drawn-out hiss. I readied my flashlight for an attack. How do you know my name? The surrounding Lunas chuckled in a whisper. We know all about you, the big one whispered. We've been watching you closely. I stood up straight and tried to look brave. Then you know why I'm here. I've come for the Orchid Queen. The Luna King tilted his head curiously. Orchid Queen? Here? He hissed. That's what I said. I've come to take her back. Where is she? I hadn't really thought about what I was going to say, especially if they refused to hand her over. Honestly, I thought I'd just be in and out. I was wrong. The Luna King's bat wings flapped behind his head, and he lifted his horribly boiled face up to mine. There is no queen here. We thought you were bringing our queen to us. Your queen? That's why you've come, isn't it? The Luna whispered harshly. I could tell he was growing impatient. Why would I have your queen? A surprise chatter broke out among the rest of the Lunas that was silenced as the king raised his slimy hand. A faint red glow flickered behind his jet black eyes. Hold your lies, human, he snarled. We felt her presence when you entered our forest. Now I was really confused. What? That doesn't make any sense, I said. The orchids sent me to get their queen from you because they felt her presence as soon as you surrounded the fair. The fair? The king hissed. I quickly realized I may have just given away some key information. I'd forgotten that the orchids were in hiding. The red in the king's eyes glowed brighter. The orchids are in the fair? With our queen? His eyes flashed bright red along with the rest of the Lunas. Kill the spy, they whispered. While they raised their weapons and hissed, I reached into my pocket and quietly slipped on Theo's glove. The King Luna opened his mouth wide and showed his fangs. A dark smoke leaked out from between his teeth and whirled around me. 
I coughed and waved it out of my face. The Luna King closed his mouth and looked at me bewildered. Kill her, he said. The branch enclosure filled with hisses as all the Lunas flew off the ground and blew smoke out their hideous mouths. A big fat one came flying right at me, thorn stick held high. He froze inches from my face and then dropped right out of the air with a golden sword sticking out of him. Before he could hit the ground, a gold glow flew in and pulled the sword loose. It was Oliver! The other Lunas charged him. With a golden sword in each hand, Oliver fought them off, twisting, jabbing, and kicking, a golden wave of light following his sword's every movement. Run! he yelled. Snapping out of it, I looked desperately for a gap in the branches. There was a tiny one off to the right. I ran for it, but was cut off by a dozen Lunas before I could reach it. The little creatures flapped their head wings towards me, chuckling to themselves. <laughs> Shaking, I raised my gloved hand. Out of my way! I yelled, pointing my gloved hand at them. Or I'll... I'll... Honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do. Point them to death? Clearly, they sensed my uncertainty. Amused, they glanced at my silly glove and then continued towards me. Come any closer and you'll regret it, I said, waving my glove at them. I mean it! The Lunas flew at me. I aimed my gloved hand and counted. One. Oh, this feels really stupid. Two. I sounded like my nagging grandma. Three. The red jewels on the glove blinked down the line from my wrist up to the tips of my fingers, and BOOM! Three glowing rays shot out my fingers and turned the charging Lunas to dust. Black ash floated where they once were. Whoa! I shouted, staring at my smoking glove in amazement. Did you just see that? Did anybody just see that? Winnie, go now! Oliver shouted, struggling to fight off the rest of the horde. Coughing from all the Luna's smoke, I ran for the opening. As I got closer, the gap in the branches started to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, until it was the size of a wide tunnel. How did it take me so long to notice this thing? I thought. Then it became enormous, and it felt as though my running legs were barely taking me anywhere. Everything around me suddenly looked gigantic. Leaves were as big as grandma's quilts. Twigs looked like giant fallen trees. And worst of all, the lunas were now twice my size. Wait a sec. I looked down, then up, then down again. I'd shrunk. The lunas had cursed me. I sprinted with my tiny legs for the opening. Behind me, I could hear the lunas flapping bat wings getting louder. Their hissing was deafening to my tiny ears. Ah! I screamed. Closing my eyes, I ran harder. Pretty soon, my tiny feet were running so fast that I couldn't even feel them touching the ground. I opened my eyes, and sure enough, they weren't. Oliver had swept me up and was flying us out of the dome. We zoomed out of the opening and whizzed in a blur, in and out of trees like a shooting star, until finally we'd lost them. I looked back and watched as the hissing dome of fire disappeared behind us. I think I might have fainted a few times while we were flying, but I'm not sure. I can't really remember. 
All I remember was squinting as we flew into the glowing carousel and down the tunnel to the orchid's underground lair. Inside the fairy cave city, the hustle and bustle of the orchid fairy's regular activities was quickly silenced as Oliver carried me up over the top of the waterfall. Children fairies stopped throwing balls of light at each other to look up. Fairy gardeners stopped raking around their tiny glowing vegetables and rainbow vines to watch. Everyone stared as Oliver flew me up past little fairy homes and buildings dug into the dirt walls until we reached the highest balcony of the colony, a wide platform made from twigs and purple and yellow glowing jelly. When we landed on the balcony, we were immediately stopped by brawny fairies wearing the same armor as Oliver. They crossed their golden spears to block our way. Beyond them was a large home dug out of the dirt wall with stringy roots dangling around its tall French doors. Oliver, you know you can't be here, the smaller one said, a look of genuine concern on his angular face. Please, I must get her to the king. She doesn't have much time, Oliver pleaded. The bigger guard glared at him. His lightness has turned in for the night, and you have been forbidden to. She's human, Oliver cried. All movement in the colony ceased as the word human echoed through the dirt dome. The guards looked at each other in shock, and then down at me in Oliver's arms. Monty, Botok, what's going on out there? came a booming voice from within the home. The French doors flung open, and out walked the king in his golden robe, his long brown hair lay neatly on his shoulders, and his defined face was both intimidating and inviting. He looked Oliver over. Oliver, where did you get that armor? You know very well you were relieved of your duties. Oliver bowed his head. My lord, this human was cursed by the Lunas in her attempt to save us. If we wait any longer, she will die. The king pushed his guards aside and came in close to see for himself. A human? Trying to save us from the Lunas? He shot Oliver a doubtful look. Oliver spat out his words in a hurry. I'm sorry I didn't tell you earlier. I thought that perhaps I could handle it myself. Oliver, to the point! The Lunas have surrounded the ground, sir, and I believe they have our queen. A gasp sounded from the crowd below. The king gave Oliver a stern look. Are you certain? I finally spoke up despite my throbbing head and wheezing. No, I said weakly. They both looked at me. They don't have your queen. But, Oliver started, but I continued. They think you have their queen. That's why they've closed in on the fair. That's why they've surrounded you, because they feel her presence. The king looked at Oliver furious. You fool! You've led them right to us! I had no choice! She's our only hope! They will come and find no queen, Oliver, and then they will massacre the entire colony! We are not ready for a war with the Lunas! She's immune to pixie magic, my lord! Well, of course she is! Look at her! The king said sarcastically. It clearly bounced right off of her! Oliver shook his head. It was the corpse curse, sir. I saw it cast with my own eyes. First from the King Luna himself, and then from the whole tribe. All of them hissing their worst clouds. It took all their worst to do this. He nodded down at me. 
the king stared at me as if he were looking at a ghost. After a moment of hesitation, his expression softened, and he leaned over me and stroked my sweaty face. There was something familiar and kind about his eyes. I don't know if it was magic or not, but when he smiled at me, I felt a sudden warmth rush through my body. Bless you, child, he whispered. We will do all that we can. He turned to his guards and told them to assemble the elders. Within minutes, there were at least twenty old withered fairies circling around me, all of them wearing golden robes and looks of compassion. Necklaces with crystals growing out of mushrooms hung from their necks. At the king's signal, they raised their hands towards me. Their necklaces began to glow, and a soft light shot out of their fingers and into me from every angle. The rays of light filled me with a warm, fuzzy current that weaved its way through my body, dispelling any darkness or discomfort. Soon my airways cleared. The throbbing in my head and back faded, and I could feel myself grow. With every stretch, my limbs grew a few inches until pretty soon I was too big to fit on the balcony. I toppled over the edge and fell down alongside the waterfall. My screams echoed through the colony as I fell for what felt like hundreds of feet. Before I reached the ground, my legs sprouted to full size and caught my fall. Thump, thump, boom! Catching my breath, I checked to make sure there weren't any tiny limbs poking out of me somewhere. The entire Orchid clan was out of their little holes and staring up at me, being sure to keep a safe distance. A few of them were probably flattened under my shoe, but I didn't dare check. I stood straight up and realized that the king's balcony was only a few feet above my head. The king and his elders were smiling down at me. Oliver flew out and hugged my face. It worked, he cheered. I didn't think it was possible, but it worked. Thank you, I told him, and then looked up at the elders on the balcony. Thank you all for saving my life. The king and his elders bowed. I will do everything in my power to protect your people, I promised. The king lifted off his nest balcony and flew out in front of me. You have done quite enough, young lady. I'm afraid there isn't much more you can do. We extend our deepest gratitude for your efforts. I bowed and Oliver showed me to the exit. When we reached the mirror door of the carousel, we stopped. Why would the Lunas think you have their queen? I asked. Oliver shifted uncomfortably. I've been meaning to tell you about that, he said. The Lunas took our queen after we attacked their queen. It's not like us to escalate conflicts by taking down another colony's queen. But we had no choice. She had become too powerful. If you took her out, why do they think she's still alive? Oliver shrugged. I guess even the most lost among us still cling to hope. I could tell by his sad expression that he wasn't just talking about the Lunas. I'm sorry, Oliver. I failed you, I said, unable to look him in the eye. Oliver smiled. Yeah, you totally blew it. Finding out the Lunas' plan and scaring them out of their wits. Total failure. I smiled. Oliver touched my cheek. You're the bravest person I've ever met, Winnie Mae. I hope to be half as brave as you someday. Are you kidding? 
Who was it that swooped in and saved me from all those bat heads? I've never seen anything like it. Oliver didn't look flattered. In fact, I could tell something was bothering him. What's wrong? I asked. There was a moment of silence as Oliver looked down at his golden armor. What you heard back there about me being relieved of my duties, he started to explain. Ollie, I don't care. Well, you should. If you knew half the mistakes I've made, you might not trust me so much. You might not trust me at all. I don't care what they said or what you did. You deserve to wear that armor. If not as an orchid guard, as a pixie knot warrior. No, the king was right. I am a fool. I've put my whole clan in danger. Set us on a course for war. All for a chance to redeem myself. He shook his head. I was convinced when I found you that you were it. My one shot. Maybe I am. Oliver looked at me confused. Didn't you hear yourself back there? The Lunas don't have our queen. So that's it? You're going to give up? You look in one place and then quit? You know, we pixie knots might have duck poof hair, huge glasses, pointy beards, and some serious self-confidence issues, but we don't sit on our butts. We kick butts. And if we don't kick butt hard enough, guess what? We run? No. We pull hair, slap, and headbutt all at the same time. I did all the movements at once so he'd get the picture. Oliver laughed. I can pull hair, he smiled. That's the spirit, I said. Now come on, walk me home like a gentleman. We checked outside to make sure the coast was clear and then crept out the mirror door. Workers picked trash off the empty walkways. Colorful flashing lights on the rides were shutting off down every path. And yet, with everything closed, the wonderful smells of funnel cakes and deep-fried treats still filled the air. Who would have thought my first visit to the fair would turn into such a mess, such an adventure? Psst, whispered a voice from the trees behind the carousel. I turned, and there was Lou's duck-poof hair poking out of a bush like some kind of exotic flower. Lou, I whispered. I ran over and hopped the fence to get to her. I was wondering where you guys went, she said. Oliver flew through the holes in the fence. Lou came and got me when she saw you were in trouble. She saved your life. That and I really wanted a corn dog, Lou said in all seriousness. Oh, Lou. I hugged her tighter than ever. It's crazy how much you take your sister for granted. Without risking another minute of being seen, we disappeared into the trees and headed home. Thank you.